Episode 72, Patient Portal Engagement, How to Get It. Today I speak with Lenny Tambasco of Access My Records. American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know, talking. Relentlessly seeking value. Every EHR system, or every certified EHR system that is, has a patient portal. Meaningful Use Stage 2 mandates that 50% of a provider's patient base gain access to said portal and 5% engage. But here's the thing. I was totally overlooking the nucleus of this whole affair until I spoke with Lenny Tambasco, who is the chairman and CEO of Access My Records. In order to engage patients, we need CX, UI, UX, you know, customer experience. We need user interface. We need user experience. We need to be customer-centric, workflow-centric, all the other kinds of centric. And in the middle of that centric circle is the patient. But for the rest of an EHR system, the center is the provider. So an EHR system who starts thinking about their patient portal with the same lens that they've been thinking about the rest of their provider-centric EHR is going to wind up with a stepchild afterthought of a patient portal. And consumers these days demand more than that. My name is Stacy Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Lenny. Thank you for inviting me on this program. Patient portals. That is the topic at hand today. Why don't we start out? Could you just explain what the difference is between a patient portal and a personal health record? Sure. Yeah, that's always been uh, some confusion between the two products. Uh, A patient portal is how a patient can view his health records that come directly from the doctor's EHR. And it also gives the ability for the patient to securely communicate with the doctor and ask a number of different questions. A personal health record or a PHR is a standalone platform that an individual can manage his own patient records for himself. So in most cases, those two products are separate, but the goal here as we build into this patient education and patient engagement is combining those two solutions together. Let's drill down a little bit on that because I think it might even be more confusing. You know, PHRs, some big failed attempts at creating personal health records are like Google, for example. Why do you think that didn't work so well? We have been in the PHR business for the past 10 years. And the problem was is it's educating the consumer. Uh, the doctors didn't have the time to sit there and tell patients why it's important to manage their health records. And Google and even Microsoft with their helpful, you know, went out and saw that there was a value here. In Google's case, they just put a number on how many people would be joining their service over the two-year period that they were out. They didn't hit those numbers, so they just shut down that program. In HealthVault's case, they saw the value and they were getting traction from uh, small organizations and, and they kept it in place. 
but it really came down to patient education and, and getting them to understand why this product is important. We spoke to a lot of different people, and they thought this was the greatest thing since sliced bread. But once they go home, the last thing on their mind is managing their health records. And we found that most people that used a PHR were females between the ages of 45 and 65, and they had at least one chronic ailment. The demand on the consumer, really, or, or the patient who's solely responsible for managing the, these PHRs, like the Health Vault or the Google option that you had mentioned, is that they would need to come back from the doctor's office, open up their PHR and type in what happened or what drugs that they were prescribed, but that was solely on the patient's shoulders to remember to do that. Exactly right. Let's circle around now to the patient portal, because as you had explained, the difference between a PHR, is, which is completely patient-managed, and a patient portal is that instead of the patient being responsible to put all of the information into the PHR in, in the portal, the provider is putting information into the portal for the patient. This is the main difference? That is correct. What's going on with portals these days? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it's funny because, you know, er, everything has been driven by the meaningful use requirements that the, uh, the doctors have to follow. And as most people know, there's different stages in this. And, you know, stage one, uh, the portal wasn't even brought up. And it was really getting the doctors to be part of an electronic health system that had certain requirements that they had to follow. And then in, I think it was around 2012, stage two was implemented. And, and that's where the portal was first recognized. And they told the doctors that now you have to have 50% of your patients have to be on an active portal. And 5% of those patients have to be actively using that portal, which means that they have to log on to that portal and view a health record at least once a year for that to happen. And the portal was providing certain functions between the, the patient and the doctor. And what it was is first secured messaging, which was the ability to communicate securely between the patient portal and the doctor, and that was either you know asking the doctor a specific question about their health care, being able to schedule an appointment, to request a prescription refill, and to see their health records. The other piece is also view, download, and transmit, which really boils down to what's called the direct exchange or direct messaging. And this allows the patient to send out his summary of health record or a CCD to other doctors outside of that doctor practice in a encrypted manner so that he can send it over over the internet. So that's really what the portal was all about. But it was only information that was pushed from the doctor's EHR into the patient portal. And in most cases, the patient didn't have the ability to add to that health record that's now being built. The other problem that the portals have is that when you go to a different doctor who's using a different EHR, they had different portals. So if you saw four doctors, you would get four different portals, four different usernames and passwords. And then none of that information would be able to be mixed or shown to the other doctors. So it was, it was very siloed. And a lot of patients were getting frustrated in all of these different portals 
and you weren't able to merge that information together. Yeah, I can really see that, especially if you're struggling from either multiple chronic conditions or, you know, you're seeing multiple specialists about the same thing. You know, you've got blood work at one doctor. I mean, what what does a patient have to do with that in, in those circumstances? I mean, you said you could they could download their information. So they've got to download it all and stick it in a folder and take it around or <laughs> how does that work? It, 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 exactly right. I mean, in, in those type of portals, which I consider those portals to be low functioning portals, just the minimal amount that the EHR had to provide for the doctor to give to the patient to meet meaningful use stage two. But it's a lot of burden on the patient if he really wanted to use that tool correctly to have all of his information in possibly in one portal or in one report. And now that's starting to change. Now we have stage three meaningful use that the final report just came out or the final rules, as they call it, just came out, which will start being implemented in 2016, and they have to be all in place by the end of 2017. And a lot of that on the portal side has to do with interoperability and patient engagement. And that's where things are seem to be heading now for a patient portal. MU3, Meaningful Use Stage 3. So Meaningful Use Stage 2, basically scenario here is that we've got a lot of providers with their own portals. Patients are still in the messenger business, you know, collecting all of their records from various providers, trying to make sense of them. You know, it might be easier to get the information, but they're still responsible to collate and carry it around. So how does Meaningful Use Stage 3 help patients better get a handle on on these health records and have the burden lessened on them? First part is the interoperability, you know, being able to share records amongst all of the EHRs uh, and and doctors. So so now there's there are systems put into place through the direct protocol, through the HL7 or defining the HL7 listeners and sharing those records and even HIEs, health information exchanges, that are uh, coming back into the market and, and sharing records between EHRs. Where it comes important with the patient and the uh, patient portal is, is having those records all being ingested into a central portal or one specific portal that the patient likes to use. Now, we're not saying that there's only going to be one portal for everyone, but we're saying that the portal that the patient chooses to use has to have the ability to uh, bring in records from any EHR, regardless which one the doctor uses, and be able to mingle those records together into reports that the patient can now share with any doctor he goes to. And that gives the patient the ability to manage everything in one place and have that interoperability of his health records. The second key of the portal is to allow them to be engaged. Why does the patient want to use his portal? Well, there has to be some tools in there that he needs or he feels he needs to log into that portal. Some of the things are prescription information drug interactions, educational videos, dietary information. That's, that's a big one. They always want to know what's right to eat. How do I manage my diet? Now with the new technology, there are products like connectables or trackables where you can buy a uh, fit product 
to manage your exercises, you know, checking your calories, your blood pressures. Those are the tools that people seem to use and have uh, connected to their portal so that they would log into their portal more often to view their health records, to manage their health care, and to eventually you know, lower the cost of health care costs for the insurance companies and such because they are taking more care of themselves. That's interesting. Some portals are being built to be able to import the data coming out of wearables like Fitbit or whatnot. So a patient could upload it directly in, into their own portal. That's correct. And this is where the PHR comes into play, where I mentioned earlier, is having a PHR, a personal health record capability within their portal. So now besides the patient just seeing records that are pushed by the doctor's EHR, they could add information into that portal record. So they can upload some records that they may have on their desktop or computer or, you know, if, if they're taking over-the-counter vitamins or some other things, cold medicines and such, they can add that information right into their portal. And, and what's really key in the two major items that people look at within their portal or their PHR are their medications and their allergies. And we find that those are the two items that people go to most. Then I'm assuming that what the patient has the ability to do is decide what providers that the patient wants to have access to the information so that they can get out of the messenger business and, and basically just give a provider access to their the information that's stored in their patient portal when they go see a new physician. Exactly. You know, the patient, again, having four doctors, four different EHRs, four different portals, a patient may sit there and say, you know, I, I like this portal from this doctor. And, and this is the one that gives me the most patient education information, and it's consumer-friendly, and it does everything I want it to do. So this is the portal of my choice. So now when he goes to his cardiologist, and the cardiologist says, well, I'm going to upload your records into our portal, the patient can say, hey, I'd like for you to upload your records into this portal, because this is the one that I'm going to use uh, to manage all my health records. Because of the interoperability that's coming out now, it's going to make it much easier for that cardiologist to push the records into the patient portal of choice. And that's really where we need to go now with this whole industry and market uh, to give the patient what they really want, not what they're told to have. And you are, of course, my friend, the founder of Access My Records. So you are actually in this patient portal business. Yes, I am in this business. Uh, <laughs> Access for so Records started back in 2005 and as a PHR. And like you said, we've gone through what patients want and what they don't want to figure out how this market actually works. And I think we have a, a pretty good product right now, and uh, we're getting a phenomenal patient engagement with our product. So we're, we're pretty happy with what we think works well for our customers. How envisioning, based on what you're saying, access my record, the way that you're rolling out your portals is you want to be the patient portal that the patient says, I like this one. Uh, right. So you want to be the portal that patients choose and that they're running around telling all of their, their other doctors to upload the information into your portal. Exactly right. 
I'm assuming that you're not directly connected to any particular EHR system. So if I'm a provider, do I hire you as kind of a plug into my EHR? Is this how this works? No, actually, we integrate our portal directly with EHR systems. When we had the PHR service as a standalone, we sold that to consumers because they were the ones that were managing the health records. When stage two was put in place, we did some redesign work on our PHR, created a certified patient portal, which is certified for stage two as a module service. And we sell that to EHR systems so they can offer the portal as part of their requirement to their customers. So, uh-huh. so providers that's are how the not... products out in the market. Got right? it. Providers don't buy our product directly. And the reason why we do that is because one of the problems the market had was getting people to become or using that active portal. So in most cases, when a portal company sold their product to the provider, uh, the provider would hand the piece of paper to the, the patient and say, you can go home, log into to this website, fill out all your demographics. It would activate a portal, and then we can push records to this account. And what happens when you leave the doctor's office, the last thing on a mom's mind when they have kids in the car or, or whatever's going on is to go home and start logging into a website to deal with their health care. People don't deal with their health care unless they really have to when they go to the doctor's office. So those practices weren't seeing a large percentage of people joining the portal. By us integrating directly with the EHR, and when you walk into the doctor's office at the, at the point of visit, the person behind the counter can actually see that your portal account hasn't been created yet. They would press a button. The demographic information will automatically populate the portal, activate an account, and now we capture 100% of the patients that go into the doctor's office to fulfill his requirement. And the piece of paper is handed to the patient saying, your portal account has been activated. When you have a chance, you can go home, change your temporary password to a permanent password, and you can see your health records instantly. And with that, we're actually getting a 35% patient engagement in using the portal for the first time. Just let me interrupt because I'm asking this question because I want to understand. So that seems very similar to the way that most portals tend to operate within EHRs. In other words, we were talking before about how we had these kind of siloed portals that were connected to Mm -hmm. one given provider. So I could see that this is, you know, for example, I was at the doctor the other day and exactly as described, that happened. But how does that improve engagement and interoperability. So, you know, okay, there was a temporary password that was sent over. Why am I engaging now? Why am I, you know, and say I go to a cardiologist tomorrow. How does this interoperability happen? Am I going to wind up with two patient portals if, if I use both of those two EHR providers that are used by the providers, could I say that in a more complicated way? Um, (laughs) (laughs) Use access my records. Like how does this all fitting together? (laughs) Oh, okay. There's two answers to that question. On the patient engagement side, once the patient logs in or changes his temporary password and and 
now he does his initial login where we have our 35% engagement. The key is getting them back to the portal. And, and those are the, the tools that we add to the portal that want the patient to become more engaged. Again, you know, drug interactions, you know, my cardiologist gave me a drug and, and my, uh, my general practitioner gave me another prescription. You know, is there any interaction with those drugs? So you can look that information up on your portal. But but uh, let me. But what that assumes is that my cardiologist, as well as my PCP, are both using EHR systems that deploy access my records. Correct? Like this whole thing no, hinges they, on. No, they don't. Because if if the if the cardiologist was using another EHR, and he provided a medication to you and your, your general practitioner was using the Access My Records portal. The patient can have the cardiologist upload his records into the Access My Records portal today so you can manage all your records in one place. But the cardiologist, if the patient didn't share the information of what medication the general practitioner was giving that person, cardiologists may prescribe something else. This happens all the time. And the patient being, you know, a, uh, a consumer of his healthcare, wants to make sure that there's no interactions. He wants to go to a place to find that information out. He can do that at his portal. Just like he can go in there and see educational videos. You know, the doctor just told him that, you know, he may have diabetes and he wants to learn more about the diabetes, what exercises he should do, what food they should eat and how he should uh, take care of himself. Where would you find that out? You know, instead of going to a WebMD, which does a great job in providing that or a, sh or a share care, you can go into your portal and you could see educational videos about managing your health care. That's how you get people engaged in using the portal. I'm still missing the, the connectivity here. That's um, the interoperability part. Yeah. So if okay. so, basically, so let me just paraphrase this because I, I think I'm getting a glimmer, but I just want to make sure that I understand. So say I go to my PCP and my PCP is using an EHR in which Access My Records is connected. Now, all of a sudden, I have an Access My Records or AMR portal. Then the secret sauce that you guys have is that your portal is very good and that you also enable other providers who may or may not have an access to AMR patient portals in their own EMR to send secure messaging or something that can easily get uploaded into your portal. So if I'm a patient and I wind up through any one of my various providers with an AMR portal, when I go see a different provider, I can give that provider information or something and say, Correct. okay, shoot my deets into this other portal that I have. Correct. And you can do that. And you can do that either through direct messaging into your portal. And you would provide your doctor with a direct email. Or you can provide a doctor with a what we call a care provider passcode, which is really an HL7 link so that the doctor could push your health records into the AMR portal. So we're, we're using the standards in transferring health documentation that's now coming out and becoming part of the stage three requirements for interoperability. 
what does this look like if I am a, a patient? And let's take the example of a, of a female patient because we've had a lot of male patients I've noticed in this conversation. Okay. <laughs> so sorry let's say about she, <laughs> this patient, she goes to her doctor and she likes the AMR patient portal. So she wants her physician, who also happens to be a woman, she wants her physician to send over that physician's information and have that collated into the AMR portal. What does the patient, you know, is there like a, an index card or something? Or, or how does this patient give her doctor the information so that the doctor can easily make this happen? Good question. Inside the portal, there's actually a, uh, a box where a care provider passcode is created that the patient can either email to her doctor or she can print out that label, okay, because it's in a label format, print out that label and hand it to her doctor and say, this is how you can upload my records into the AMR portal. And it'll give the doctor either the direct protocol, if that doctor has the ability to send a direct, or it'll give the doctor the ability to upload through our HL7 listener. Basically, what the patient would need to do is go home and then get into their portal and press a button, typing in the other provider's info mm -hmm. um, so that the other provider would have the information to connect their system to this particular patient portal. And, and then in the future, is that kind of streamlined or is this every time that the patient goes to the other doctor? Part of some of the rules, they want to make it more streamlined. They're talking about APIs. It's basically, they call it FIRE as an API to communicate between or have that interoperability between EHRs and portals. It's not all written in stone yet. This is all new to us. We know that this functionality that we have today is working. It uh, fulfills all the requirements for meaningful use and, and the interoperability that we have today for sharing health records securely in an encrypted manner. But things are changing as, as stage three is coming out. So we don't really have all of the answers yet on how streamlined that's going to be. And how does your solution interact with HIEs? We've had a number of HIEs on the, the program this fall. And one of the mm -hmm. things that they all seem to be working on are, are patient portals for exactly the reasons yes. that you just talked about. Yes. We actually work with one HIE now, and we're looking to, to submit our portal to another large uh, HIE uh, organization. But it, it works with the, with the API, similar to how we integrate our portal with other EHRs. You know, the, the information in an HIE is flowing into a central hub at the HIE between all of these different EHRs, and then it's being pushed back out again as, as they're trying to share the records. What we're doing is we're actually integrating with that hub so that when records do come out, the HIE can push the health record to the patient portal. And we found that to, uh, to be the easiest way of getting the records uh, from the HIE out to the patient. Yeah, I could see that, that having an HIE would really help I mean, obviously, this interoperability thing is something that everyone struggles with, and, and, and having a patient portal that's hooked up to an HIE could probably be a great place to avoid a lot of these issues, which are kind of unavoidable at, at, at this juncture. So you had been right. talking about engagement, and 
you know, making sure that the patient showed up inside the portal and you had mentioned having educational videos in there that a doctor or provider could direct patients to, you know, instead of having them scouring WebMD or something. Within the the Access My Records portals, do you have this education or how do you recommend to providers that they collect engaging content? You know, it's the... uh... The providers can collect engaging content. There are so many third-party companies out there that offer different type of engaging content that they can put in the doctor's offices so that uh, the patient's sitting there in the waiting room, they could they could watch a video, or if they're in the exam room and they could watch a video. And those work really well, but they work when you're at the doctor's office. And in most cases, you know, people will look at this video, uh, but they'll only absorb a small amount of it. And, and being able to go home at their leisure and say, hey, I want to watch this or, you know, I'm getting a colonoscopy next week and I want to learn more about that. What's it like? How do I go through this? And, and they want to sit there in, at their own house on the couch and, and watch a video. So, so those, are the, those are what we find to get the patient engaged in that sense. And what we do is we contract with third-party providers that provide videos or educational videos and and we find which ones we like best or we think really work well and and that's what we put on to our site. I'm definitely getting the impression that because AMR really focuses on what does patient engagement look like? What does a clean you you know user experience look like? That this is really the advantage that you would have over, you know, an EHR system that's trying to not only satisfy providers and they're focused on the clinical workflow and they're focused on all of that. And the, the, the patient portal might be an afterthought because this is your primary focus. What you really can make sure of is, you know, you're right on top of trends and, and how exactly to make sure a provider can meet those meaningful use requirements that you just said about the 50% have access and 5% engage. You can really blow those numbers away. And this is why, because you're focused on it. Exactly. And, you know, we, we found a lot of things, you know, over the years of being in this market, we tried different type of products to put onto our PHR to get people more engaged. And, and we found what worked and what didn't work. And, uh, you know, we, we have a handful of products that have really led, you know, the engagement of our customers. And, and that's what we put on there. And like I said earlier, is you know there there's new technology that comes out every day, and and with these you know connectables that you can now manage your your uh, calories and fitness and blood pressures and stuff, those are new things that we didn't have you know three years ago in our portal for engagement. So so you have to you know you have to keep up with the trends. You have to provide you know what people are looking for because they they hear of things from you know, from friends or commercials or the doctors and, you know, they all want to try it, but it really comes down to, you know, what are they going to go back and use over and over and over again? And, uh, so we, we try to keep the, uh, the products simple within the portal, not to overwhelm the patient because you're looking at people that may go into their portal, uh, uh once or twice a year, you may find people that go into their portal once a month. Or you'll get the extremes that really want to manage, uh, you know, their their healthcare because they have chronic ailments and such. 
or they're ma they're managing their their blood pressure for one reason or another and, and charting that that they go into their portal once a week. So there's all different types of people, and, and, you, and you try to get a, a balance of what you need to provide to them. And, and the real key also that a lot of groups don't understand is that, uh, again, EHRs were forced to put portals into place as part of stage two requirements. And, and what I consider to be a low-functioning portal, which is just meeting the, the minimals of, of what they needed to put in. AMR and some others out there have what I call you know, high-functioning portals that provide the tools for patient engagement. And we're in the business to managing the patient. EHRs are in the business of managing doctors, and that's how their support staffs are set up. Uh, they're not there to support you know, thousands and thousands of patients that come with those doctors. Individual portal companies like ours are set up in that manner, so we know how to deal with the patient on a day-to-day -day basis, not dealing with the doctor for his, you know, his questions. So I, I, I think there's a uh, there's a, a big difference between how the portals are, are being run and who provides the support to the patient and helping that patient out, which is what our goal is. And where can people find out more information about Access My Records if they are interested? Yeah, they can go to accessmyrecords.com. We're also part, uh, Access My Records was uh, acquired by uh, Document Storage Systems back in March this year. And uh, Document Storage Systems is a, is, a, uh, is a software solution developer specifically for the VA. And uh, they branched out into uh, commercial products. And, and now we're doing a lot of public health statewide and mental health statewide and uh, the AMR portal is being implemented into these facilities. And uh, we're really proud of, of, of that, uh, that relationship now moving forward. Yeah, congratulations on the acquisition. Thank you. I thank you so much for being on the program today, Lenny. Stacy, thank you for having me on the program today. Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website, RelentlessHealthValue.com, you will also find a complete listing of all of the shows that we have published thus far. There are over 50 at this point with leading entrepreneurs and executives in the healthcare space today. Another cool feature is, you know, you can subscribe to the show so that every week the episode is automatically sent to you so you don't have to remember to go to the website to download it. Thanks so much for listening.